0: Thanks so much for being here, Richard. To start with, no could you give us uh, could you give us a bit of background on uh, who you are and uh, you know what uh, the experience that you bring, especially in credit cards?
1: Yes, no, of course. Um, so my name is Richard Mould. I have worked in financial services for God, twenty years or so. Um, sort of creeps up on you a bit bit too long, that sort of order magnitude. I've worked at a number of the largest institutions in the UK, both mortgage providers and credit card providers. And that's really the areas that I've worked in most, particularly in credit cards, but I've also worked within mortgages and more general other parts of financial services for some of the largest banks and some of the other largest institutions in in space.
0: I think you're being very humble. So uh, if I remember correctly, you were the CEO of Nationwide's credit card division, and then you were also so, part well, of the Card Payment Association, right? Which is the government. Yeah, no, no. For... So, so yes,
1: um, <laughs> I've, um, in terms of, I, I used to run the credit card portfolio at Nationwide, okay. and um, I've, I've been on the UK Cards Association, which was the industry trade body that then became part of UK Finance. Um, I've had. Um, roles at Market card where I've um, was helpful with innovation and bringing contactless payments to the UK. I was I was a key part of the team that delivered that, um, and I've also been advising a, a number of mortgage companies more generally around innovation.
0: Got it. So uh, Richard, let's start with uh, let's just get straight into it. Uh, my first question is how do I get approved for a credit card? There are millions of people every year who just can't seem to get one. Um, what, what do people, what do I need
1: to do to get one if I can't um, get one? I, it, it actually, it, it's, there isn't, getting a credit card isn't a pass or fail. Um, when mm. each institution that issues credit cards, they have a certain perspective around who they want to lend to. Now, um, a credit score, um, all the bureaus create credit scores. And so that is a good indicator of what um, your likelihood or your riskiness. So every single institution says, right, what's the likelihood that this person's going to be able to pay me back? And actually, they're also weighing up what's the likelihood that they're going to borrow money? Because credit card companies only ever make money if you borrow money and then pay it back. Um, so they want you, you don't to borrow? they do want you to borrow, they want you to borrow, and they want you to pay it back over a number of months. So if you pay it back before the end of the month, you um, they don't earn any interest on you. Um, they don't lose any money, but they don't earn any interest on you. So their ideal customers is to have some people who will um, buy things on the cards and occasionally, You go, actually, that was a bit of an expensive month. I'm going to pay that back over the next two or three months. That's the ideal customer from a credit card perspective. Now, what happens is people's circumstances change every single day. So, um, or all the time. So you might be able to say, I can afford it this month, but actually next month it was a bit more tricky. So I don't want to pay, pay us back as much. Now, credit card providers don't know what the future is going to be so they basically use your credit score as an ability for them to guess what they think is your likelihood that you're going to borrow money your likelihood that you're going to pay back now each institution has a different way of calculating that and it's kind of quite blunt your credit score is really really important and so the credit score that you get from the different bureaus whether it's um Experian or ClearScore, uh, ClearScore or um, TransUnion. TransUnion is the other one. Yes, yeah, sorry, I, I'm having a senior <coughs> moment. I said yeah. I've been in financial services far too long. Um, <laughs> now, they what happens is each institution will probably have their own credit score that they don't want to share with anybody because that's their secret source. But one of the big inputs into that is what is your credit score at a credit bureau. And what might happen is TransUnion or Expedia might say, right, we're going to have a weighting of 10% looking at what's your past history being. But one of the credit card issuers might say, actually, I'm going to weight that a bit more or I might weight that a bit less. So there is definitely lots of science behind it, but it is a bit unpredictable because what what the credit card issuer is trying to do is they're trying to guess what you're likely what's going to happen in the future Mm -hmm. and nobody knows what's going to happen to the future and that that's particularly true at this time at the moment where Mm -hmm. uh, a few months ago we didn't think the world would be looking like it it is at the moment so there isn't a particular magic number to go for it will vary depending on which institution you apply for. So there's some institutions that develop credit cards and they say we've got high acceptance rates and there's some institutions that go, um, that say, actually, I only want the least risky customers. So they're less likely to borrow, but they're less likely to default as well. So a very long answer to quite a short question, but I'm not sure if that sort of explained the situation a bit.
0: No, that's great. Thank you. Um, So you know there's um, so if I can't get approved then I'm kind of stuck right because if I have a bad credit score because I made mistakes in the past I have changed now but my score still isn't great how do I like how do I go from having a bad credit score and being dinged by everyone to finally being accepted it just seems like a no man's land like how do I bridge that and there's millions of people in that space
1: yeah and I think I think that is a challenge that exists in the financial services landscape at the moment and I, that's that's because the context that i was setting is people are trying the, the the credit card issuers or the financial institutions because whether it's credit cards whether it's loans whether it's mortgages what they 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 they're basing their decision on how likely are is this person to pay me back and they don't know, and the tools are quite crude for that. So some institutions say, ah, they've made a mistake in the past, so we're yeah. going to rule them out. And that, that frankly, isn't fair, but it's right. the way that the, the world exists at the moment. And so you, you are absolutely right. It is a catch-22 situation, because actually... You know, and and to be honest, the financial institutions don't want this either, but it's just how sophisticated are their models? They don't want to not serve these people because banks want to make money and there's nothing wrong with that. So they want to yeah. serve people, um, but they don't have the right tools to help them make it. So it is a really difficult catch 22 because the way you improve your credit score is by... Taking things out and demonstrating that actually you've now there were mistakes in the past, but you can demonstrate good behaviour now. So whether it's you take out small loans and pay them back, um, mm-hmm. whether it's you've now got some some bills that you're paying on direct debit, you can see that there's regular payments going out. It's any indicators that there are to demonstrate that you are showing. Good financial behavior. You know, you are maintaining your, your, your debts, you're paying back your debts, you're not defaulting on anything, you've got regular payments going out of your account. Those are all indicators that help show um, that you have, there were mistakes made in the past, but look, the circumstances now are different. I'm I'm a different person now than I was then. But it's trying to find those institutions that are willing to lend to you. Got
0: it. Um, a couple of quick fire questions, credit building products, credit building products, good or bad?
1: Good, but you need to make sure that as with all, all credits, it's manageable and controllable. So credit building products will help you improve your credit score because they're helping you. it. will Actually, it depends on the nature of the specific credit building product. If it helps you demonstrate that you've borrowed and you've paid back and you can indicate to the bureaus good behavior, then good. If it's credit building product that isn't actually a credit building product and it's just an excuse to try and make you take out credit that doesn't have the right controls in place, bad.
0: Can you give us an example of the second one? Without taking any names. Without
1: anything. So I think... (coughs) Payday loans are—they're not—they were never marketed as a as a as a credit building product. Some of them and are
0: now, actually. They—they they don't call them payday loans, but they. they <laughs>
1: um, so yeah. the issue and why the regulator took um, took action on that particular industry is because credit was given away too easily. Now, yeah. unfortunately, and therefore. Because credit can almost be, well, if you can't pay it back, well, don't worry, we'll then, we'll then give you another loan to pay back the original loan and then i charge you twice. And then what should have been a month's loan actually ends up being a 12-month loan. So, and that's the problem with, with that. They said, I'm going to try and sell you a product that's, it's just to tide you over to the end of the month. Hmm. But it almost becomes, then I need it Late again loan. to tie me over again. And then yeah, it becomes a rollover. It's and it's, like, ab- and uh, it's just snowballs out of control.
0: It's like an opioid, so, you know, it's like the opioid crisis in America. This was exactly it. I'm going to give you painkillers so you're not in pain. And then once you get off those painkillers, I'll give you more because now you miss the painkillers you were on. So, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think I, I'm trying to be um, careful <laughs> about the, the uses because credit per se yeah. is a good thing. And actually, for some customers, a payday loan is a good thing. It happens, but it's not a good thing for everybody all the time.
0: Got it. Uh, next question. I have a £200 starter credit card from, uh, I mean, there, there are many companies that would do this. Yes. It could be Capital One, Vanquist. The only thing I'm able to get is this £200 credit card. What is the best strategy that I can have? Is it, maxing it out and then paying it off in full or staying below 30% usage does it help to pay it off early uh, what is the best way to use such a small limit card
1: so I think having a credit card you have to use it um, actually if you use it and you use a rather than max it out and pay it off because that, in the absence of any other information people think oh they desperately need credit yeah. and people yeah. who desperately need credit are seen as higher likely that some of them might get into difficulties and not be able to pay it back but you do need to use it so you should be using it and trying to pay it back in full each month so even if you have a small limit you might say well i'm only going to buy one thing a month use it then pay it back so whether it's i'm going to buy my lunch what you know the third wednesday the month i'm going to use my credit card to buy my lunch and then i pay it back um, in full so that i don't incur any interest that demonstrates that you are taking out credit you're using it you're using it responsibly i think and again it depends on every single lender because every lender has their own scorecards but generally if you max it out that is higher risk behaviour than than using some of your limit. Now got it. Um, it will okay. change from and, and and other different lenders will place different emphasis on how much you use. But in general if you're maxing something out, people are oh they're maxing something out, that means they're really hungry for credit as opposed to um, they're using it responsibly, using a bit of it and then putting it back
0: And on the flip side, I have a 200 uh, limit card. Uh, On the flip side, let's say I just buy a coffee with it each month, is that gonna harm me that I'm not using it too much, that I'm just buying a coffee each month or uh, or is there no harm from doing that?
1: Um, I think there is very limited harm. So um, if you're applying for credit, Clearly people, uh, when, when, when financial institutions are making a decision, do they want to lend, to, do, do, do I want to lend to this person? Um, they're looking at how likely you are to pay it back, but also um, what can you afford? So if you have lots of credit cards with lots of limits, they'll think, ah, there's a potential this person could build up a lot of debt. So I think if it's one credit card that you're using a little bit, but you've got, some, you've got some headroom on it, that's unlikely to be detrimental to you. If you had four or five credit cards, actually that would definitely start to impact your ability to take out a mortgage because then they can, when, when you apply for a mortgage, people usually ask for something called affordability, or they they try and calculate something called affordability. And if I look at that person, they go, ah, but you could borrow 7,000 pounds on your credit card. So I've got to say, there's a risk that you might borrow 7,000 pounds. So I'm gonna take what you have to pay back for that out of what I think you can afford to pay for a mortgage.
0: So are you saying that having a high credit card limit will actually harm my chances of getting a mortgage?
1: It would, if you had a high credit card limit, it would impact how much you could borrow on a mortgage. So, they... that's
0: counterintuitive, right? So, if I have a great income and I have a 20,000 pound credit line from Amex, then that's going to make it harder for me to get a sweet deal compared to if Amex had just given me like 500 pound limit. That's a little bit counterintuitive. Although, I, I think the fact totally... that I have a, yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
1: I I think it is counterintuitive. So when you this is really for mortgages because for mortgages they ask two questions: can you can you are you likely to what's called credit risk, which is what we've all been talking about? How likely are you to to pay it back? But with a mortgage, there's also rules about um, that the government set to say we've got set rules to determine how much you could afford to pay back. Um, and that's to deal with if interest rates started to rise, those sorts of things. And it's on that calculation having lots of credit cards with high credit limits could impact you because they would go, right, Faisal, yes, he's got um, he's earning £50,000 a year, but he's got a credit limit on his Amex card for £20,000. Right. Well, if he took that up, and used all that money, and then we're paying £20,000. I can't do the maths in my head, so I'll call it a 20% interest rate. Right, That's how much he's got outgoings that we've got to say, we can't take that into account for what he can afford on his mortgage. So
0: That's fascinating. That's really counterintuitive. But I completely see, it does make sense. I see what you're saying.
1: Um, So it's almost, I think the route you go is you re yourself into the financial services world and you demonstrate that you're able to pay back. But then before you apply for your mortgage, you make sure that you don't have too many credit cards with too many limits because otherwise, actually, you might not be able to... They'd still say, we'll grant your mortgage, but they might not grant you as much to buy your dream home.
0: Is it better to have... The same limit spread across multiple cards or to have so let's say I have a thousand pound in total limits across four cards. Am I better off that way or am I better off having just one thousand on one? Or does it really not make a difference?
1: Or a mortgage. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know from 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 a more from a mortgage perspective, um, it's unlikely to make a difference because this is around affordability. So we just look at what's your unused exposure. (laughs) However, people might say, ah, they've got four credit cards. Does that mean that they, is that an indicator to say they're credit hungry and therefore I'd worry about it?
0: Got it. And someone who's credit hungry would raise a red flag, even though ironically, banks do want people to be slightly credit hungry so that it seems like a very fine line to walk because on the one hand, you said the dream customer for credit card companies is someone who uh, may need to borrow, may, may not be able to pay off in full a few months, but eventually does. So that's the dream customer. But on the other hand, you're also saying they don't want, uh, you know, credit hungry people. So It does seem like... A
1: it's a really fine, fine line. line. And and, yeah. and that's why, it, that's actually why the um, each institution holds its credit decisions that's kind of the crown jewels for for making lending decisions because if i can spot those people who are they do want to borrow but they are still likely to be able to pay back those are the customers i want Um, but clearly customers who default you have to borrow first and then not be able to afford it back so it is a really fine line and actually it is an instance of you know Past performance is an indicator of the future. Certainly that's what banks use to to help them predict because you'd say um, they look at how you're behaving and they'll try and use those to say, which ones are the right indicators to allow me to, to do? And if they happen to have, if their circumstances happen to be actually, we've got quite a lot of high risk customers, therefore we're only going to accept low risk customers now or Actually, my portfolio is very low risk at the moment. I need to open up my, the type of people that I will accept. It does change over time. Hence the reason why there isn't a magic number because it kind of depends your situation, what the bank's situation is at that particular time that you apply.
0: Have banks changed? Um, so if, you know, if I was thinking of getting a credit card from say Amex, would now be like a really stupid time to apply? Should I just wait? Or has nothing really changed in credit approvals?
1: Um, um I th- this will be I will be hypothesizing here because yeah. I'm I'm not working at any of the institutions at the moment. But I would imagine the banks will be tightening up their credit thresholds because we're about to go into a recession. Yeah. Um and at recession time is when people are worried about um, the likelihood that people are going to get into financial difficulties increases so banks are likely to be tightening up their credit um, scores or what they 'll accept people at now we certainly i 've certainly seen that the number of mortgages on the market has has tightened up, and the proportion of mortgages that are offering a 95% mortgage as opposed to a 90 or a, an 85, that has shifted downwards so that you need more, you need a bigger deposit to buy the same house from before. Now, however, that is me hypothesising. I don't know the exact details of each individuals, but I would be very, very surprised if people hadn't tightened up their criteria. Now, that doesn't, you know, that's that's from a bank's credit decision, actually we need to look at the people here as well, because it's nobody ever wants, or very, very few people ever want to get into it, to to put themselves in a financial difficulty position. So actually forget it from the bank's perspective, let's look at it from the customer's perspective and go, can I afford to take credit at this precise time? Is this something that I want to do? And make sure that um, you want to apply. Now you can still repair, your credit history and your credit score at this time. Um, as long as you're doing it in a responsible way.
0: Got it. Uh, final question from my side. We have, we have a lot of people who have debt on their credit cards and uh, they want to do a good thing, which is pay down this debt. Is there like, is there a better way? Like if I have debt that's spread across multiple credit cards, Is there like a formula, or should I just like should I pay one off than the other? Should I be looking at which one charges more interest? Because basically it's the same. There's not much of a difference. So, am I better off like if I have my if I have credit card debt loaded up on three cards, am I better off paying them off one, two, and three one at a time, or spreading the payments equally, or does it really not make any difference?
1: There is no golden rule um right i think i think the the general rule or, or actually there is a golden rule the more expensive debt you pay off more quickly so um you want to pay off the debt the the cards that have the highest apr quick, more quickly because that will then lower your the total interest that you have to pay um i think it kind of depends on each person's individual circumstances so it definitely is um if people are worried, there are lots of places that you can go to for advice around your specific circumstances, whether it's citizens advice, I think Change or a a debt charity. There are a number of debt charities that you can do. You can also talk to your lender around trying to set up a plan to put it up, to put things more in control. Um, How do I
0: actually do that? So if my lender is just any big bank, that I have a credit card from how do I like, how do I actually talk to them they just seem really hard to reach um, should I just call the number on the back of my card and say hey I can't make my payments for the next few months or is there like a right way to to do it
1: um, I think with all institutions it's, it's better to be upfront and honest um, and the banks also want you to not not to have to go down procedures of payback because it's, it's, it's not a good outcome for anybody. So in reality, yes, phone up, the, phone up the institution and say you're having difficulty repaying and they will then put you through to the relevant departments to help you to do that. If you don't want to talk to your financial institution, again, you, there are the debt charities that you can talk to as well. Um, I think the danger is always, oh, well, we're going to structure it but then if you structure your debt and say, right, we can take it and we can convert it into a loan, and people often sell, um, um, create these debt consolidation loans say, we'll give you a loan because it's only 15% as opposed to the 20% you're paying on your credit card or the 30%. But that's only, if we want to do this to manage, you have to be disciplined about it and then say, well, if I've done that, I want to cut up that credit card so I don't then start trying to spend on that particular card again because you know how we talked about the temptation of credit sometimes yes. so this is all around managing it and being in control but it's much better to try because banks are required to um and they also it's in their interests to actually come up with a plan that works to so it's affordable because if it gets to a spiraling situation that's not yeah. good for anybody now it's I think at this precise time, it's going to be quite difficult because actually just trying to get through to them on the phone, because all the institutions are putting in like a payment break for three months because of the COVID crisis. Um, right. And the phones are running off the hook off the hook, and they're getting 20 times as many calls as they used to in the past. So what do I do then? What
0: do I do? I just get on the phone and wait?
1: I think you have to be... I guess that's the pers- only option. I think you do have to be a bit persistent. Now, quite a few of them will have, if you're applying for the, the um, interest relief associated with COVID, I think quite a few of the institutions actually have an online approach to it as well. Because they, there's a standard that they'll give you a three month window not to, not to pay back that debt, uh, not to be paying for your mortgage, or and I'm sure on credit cards and loans as well. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't accrue interest. So you will end up paying back more. But if you've had your income impacted by the COVID crisis, that's a short-term, it's, it's a short-term fix to a short, if it is a short-term problem. If it's a longer-term problem, you need to talk to them and sort of agree a plan. Got it. And that can be with individuals or that can be with charities as well.
0: Got it. I think we're at the head of the half hour, so uh, let's wrap up. Thanks a lot, Richard. I thought it was really fascinating. A lot of counterintuitive insights. Um, But but I think, I mean, if if there's one thing I've learned from you today, it's just uh, use common sense and try not to be desperate. If you try to do desperate things, they get multiple credit cards. Always try to be maxing out your limit. Always trying to be using a lot of your card, just to show that hey, I can do this. The more you try to do unusual, unnormal things, the more you're probably harming yourself. Uh, and as to the other thing I learned from you is as to actually knowing whether you get approved or not, it's unfortunately a black a black box. Uh, and so it seems like the best thing you can do is a soft search. Really, that, um, yeah, Any any other insights that you want to add before we wrap up?
1: Um, I think you mentioned about your I I think just to reiterate what you've just said I would agree with you and actually the soft searches are very good because they don't show up on your credit card credit file and they are very accurate so um, there's no problems with soft searches got it
0: great thank you very much and I hope to have you back again actually to talk more about mortgages
1: no problems